Welcome to Try, Try Again with Katherine Velas, a podcast dedicated to relationships, the one with yourself and others. Today we're looking at how to heal your relationship when one or both of you has broken your vows, violated boundaries, and stepped outside the relationship, giving your heart, mind, and or body to someone or something else. Relational betrayal can look like many things. It can be physical and or emotional. It involves crossing boundaries and giving yourself to someone else in a way that is supposed to be reserved only for your partner. My definition includes not only sexual or emotional relationships, but also things like work, porn, hobbies or sports, community involvement, and even things like church and volunteer activities. Anything that is taking that space where your partner has filled or wants to fill. Just to be clear, it's important to have relationships, friends, family, co-workers outside your marriage. These relationships, if healthy, enhance your personal growth and your, your personal relationship with your spouse. No one person can fulfill all our needs, but the violation, the betrayal comes when you're having needs met by something or someone outside the relationship to the detriment of the relationship. Also, I'm not talking about serial cheating or someone who's abusive. In those cases, I would generally explore long-term work with a couples therapist as well as an individual therapist for one or both partners and suggest separation and implement safety plans. If you are having a sexual affair and breaking your vows to your partner, it's pretty obvious you're cheating. But some situations seem to be a little more difficult to define for some people. For instance, a woman who at work has a work husband, and in so doing, her husband at home feels the distance between them. She doesn't share a lot about her work because she feels her husband won't understand or he doesn't seem to listen when she does try to talk about work. So instead of addressing this with her partner, she turns to someone at the office to have that need met. Stepping outside the relationship and without communication and emotional connection, this can fall into the category of cheating. And it certainly has the potential to expand into other areas, such as a physical relationship. The important part of this example is the husband feels the distance and the relationship with this man at work is detrimental to her relationship with her husband at home. Another example, and I see it often with couples, is the use of pornography. Societally and culturally, we've been told that it's very common and it can even be good for relationships. In my experience, I do not believe this is true. What I typically see is porn is usually introduced to enhance the sexual component, but once allowed into the relationship can become a means of meeting an individual partner's needs without emotionally connecting and doing the work of communicating with the partner. It's easy. It objectifies people as things to be used for individual pleasure, which is the end goal, instead of pleasuring another person or enhancing the relationship. There is no giving required. It is all receiving. Often there's a lot of secrecy around the amount of pornography being watched. So how do you know if you're cheating? And I would argue, you know. But some of the telltale signs are you know you're cheating when there are secrets, 
when there is avoidance, when there is fear of getting caught, when there is guilt or shame, if you find you are justifying your actions. Well, of course I watch porn. My wife won't have sex with me. In those two sentences, I hear blame, rationalization, justification, and pain. A quote I love from Benjamin Franklin is, uh, he said, so convenient I think it is to be a reasonable creature since it enables one to find or make a reason for everything one has a mind to do. If you find your rationalizing and reasoning as to why you're cheating or thinking about cheating, that is a problem. We often cheat because it's easier than doing the work in the relationship. At least that's what we tell ourselves. It's much easier to talk to the man at work who understands the work and knows the cast of characters than to come home to a husband who perhaps doesn't understand. And it takes a lot of energy for you to explain. It can seem much easier to flip on a porn and masturbate rather than sit down and communicate with your spouse about feeling emotionally distant and wanting more closeness and wanting specific things in your sexual relationship. Those are difficult conversations for many of us, and it often requires multiple conversations. But the lie of doing things the easy way is that they are seldom really easy. They whisper in your ear, particularly things like cheating and addiction. But I have seen more hearts broken and financial bankruptcies and children's lives tremendously adversely affected. Spiritual, financial, emotional damage done by the so-called easy way of doing things. It is worth doing things the hard way. It is worth doing the work with your partner. Another component of betrayal I want to be very clear about is that if a partner has cheated or has been unfaithful, has broken vows, it is not the fault of the person who is cheated upon. Let me say it again. If your partner or spouse has cheated on you, it is not your fault. The cheating partner made a choice. He or she had several options available and they made the choice to betray those vows and cheat. Now, I know it's popular in some circles, and you'll see a lot of it on the internet, that cheating is a symptom of a struggling relationship. People don't cheat if there's not a problem in the relationship. It may seem like a reasonable and easy connection, right? If my wife would have sex with me, then I wouldn't have had the affair. This is where I use the phrase that correlation does not imply causality. Although the statement may seem to be connected, the person who has the affair still has many other choices available. Having an affair was a choice they made to deal with a situation they may have felt they were facing. They chose to violate boundaries. They chose to violate promises and vows. They chose to go outside the marriage. They own that decision. And in my work with couples, we cannot move forward in these situations unless the cheating spouse is able to completely own that decision. Yes, it may be difficult to talk to your partner. Yes, they may be busy and shutting you down. And yes, you may be struggling to communicate and you may have multiple stressors on your relationship, but you can see a therapist. You can see a pastor or a priest. You can go to a trusted friend or a family member. There are many other alternatives to having an affair. Three topics often come up in couples work where there has been cheating or infidelity. One is trust. The other is boundaries, and the third is forgiveness. How to build trust, how to set boundaries, and how to forgive. 
I love the quote by Esther Pearl regarding trust. She said, trust isn't a promise to never hurt each other. It's the risk that we will hurt each other and the confidence that when we do, we will come together to heal. Trust after betrayal absolutely can be rebuilt. It takes work and it takes risk. You have to be willing to risk getting hurt again in order to build trust. And that can be a very difficult thing. I often tell couples your marriage as you have known it is over. But from the ashes of that, like a phoenix, your relationship can rise up to a different kind of marriage and be more open, more authentic, closer, and more honest. You will, through this work, mourn and grieve the loss of your old marriage and celebrate your new relationship and reclaim the things that did work in a new and hopefully exhilarating way. These are all things we work on in couples therapy. As I have outlined in other podcasts, setting healthy boundaries is imperative. It is these boundaries that will help to keep you safe and your relationship and your partner safe and secure. Boundaries is really simply saying, I will allow this and I won't allow that. Often couples come in and one will be struggling with, I always told him if he ever cheated, I would leave. And the cognitive dissonance they suffer in staying and trying to work through the betrayal. They had always sworn to their friends and their partner, and more surprisingly and importantly to themselves, that if they were ever cheated on, they would immediately leave the relationship. I can't tell you how many people think that is what they would do. You may be listening to this thinking the same thing. The reality is no one knows what they would do until they're faced with the situation. Not 100%. And frankly, that's true in almost every area of life. And the biggest reason why we should never judge others in terms of the choices they make in this regard. Very often the phrase is like, I'm done. And I'd never put up with that. Can feel good to say. And empowering. And we might even believe them. But the reality is, it may not be the best choice for us at the time it happens or the way it happens. I hear the question, what does it say about me that I told him I'd leave and then it happens and I end up staying? What it says is that you are human. You made a statement that you felt was true at the time and now that it has happened, you're reevaluating. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just because you said you would leave doesn't mean you have to or even should. If you're tied together financially, if you have young children, if you have a tremendous relationship in many other areas, if you still have love for this person and desire a life with them, then it's absolutely worth the effort of trying to rebuild the trust and achieve forgiveness. The two biggest questions I hear and need to be answered are why the affair happened, which is always one of the first questions the cheated on spouse will have. But equally important is why is that same partner choosing to stay? As you deal with this, I hope you will give one another grace and patience. You will need to be open to exploration and listening, taking that time together. In mourning the loss of your relationship and what you thought it was, you may even suffer some post-traumatic stress, some shock, disbelief. But remember, with post-traumatic stress, we can also move toward post-traumatic growth. And lastly, to address forgiveness. If you are in the early stages of this work, forgiveness can seem 
if not impossible, at least a long way away. But one of the things that I think is helpful for people to think about is that forgiveness is not a single act. You do not move from, I have not forgiven you today, and suddenly tomorrow I forgive you. Forgiveness is an action, and it is multiple acts over an expanse of time. As the spouse who cheated or broke vows, it can be very difficult because your partner will have a lot of questions, and it may seem like however often you answer those questions, it's never enough. But with patience, you can see that in your partner asking the questions and doing the work, there are glimpses of forgiveness. Your partner simply agreeing to stay in the relationship and do the work has signs of forgiveness in it. And equally important, if you cheated, you will reach a place of being able to forgive yourself as well in doing this work. It's often the most difficult work. Couples can recover from this and like a scar from an old wound, they don't forget, but they find that the communication is improved in the relationship and the emotional connection is improved. As always, you can reach me at katherinekempvelas.com. Have a week filled with meaning and love.